Nick Beerbrot has all the stuff that you look for in a top-line starter. A good quality live fastball to go with a tight breaking ball, which should serve him well, not only against the right-handed hitters, but the left-handed hitters as well. Nick Beerbrot played a part in some of the biggest moments, not only in Arizona Diamondbacks history, but in Major League Baseball. Beerbrot's baseball journey is about as unique as it gets, and could have and likely would have turned out wildly different if it weren't for a tragic incident nobody saw coming. I could see blood coming out of my arm. Uh, I, could, you know, I was gasping for air because my, my diaphragm at the time had been hit and didn't know that. Basically what saved me was I was just I was basically two blocks away from the medical university there. It's the journey of the very first Arizona Diamondback, and one worth getting to know. In this episode, we'll dive into Beerbrot's baseball career, his near-death experience that almost ended it all, and how it eventually led him to fighting fires. I'm Chirsten Soussel, and this is PHNX The Story. I mean, I've always wanted to from the beginning of playing ball. That's just what I was always wanting to do. Everybody was like, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was always a I was a baseball player. Everybody's like, you need a backup plan. I'm like, baseball player. Uh, everyone else is saying cop, astronaut. I was a baseball player. Beerbrot knew his dreams of becoming a professional baseball player were in reach when he hit high school at Millican High School in Long Beach, California. And although he had a scholarship to play baseball at Arizona State for then-head coach Pat Murphy, he also knew he wanted to go straight to the pros. Yeah, my, my mother and I had a, a deal. If I went first round, I could I could bypass college. So that was my goal, was to go first round so I wouldn't have to go to college. Because if I was going to college, and it's probably not great to say, but if I was going to college, it was to play baseball, right? Like, I wasn't going there to be a student athlete. It was to be an athlete. Uh, so thankfully, I got drafted first round and got to, uh, to bypass college. Turns out playing baseball in Arizona was in his future no matter what. The Diamondbacks drafted him 30th overall in the 1996 MLB draft, the year before the expansion draft was held, which made him the first player to ever be drafted by the franchise, something he cherishes now but didn't realize the significance of at the time. Honestly, I think I was too young and dumb to realize any significance, right? I just I wanted to play baseball, and a team that I really didn't know anything about drafted me and wanted me to go away and play for them and they gave me some money and I was excited about that part just to not be going to college and to start my professional career. So the big league team didn't start till 98. Uh, I signed in 96, got to play half a season and then a, in, in rookie ball. Uh, then went to uh, in, uh, South Bend, Indiana for my first full season, for, uh, low A. So yeah, we were, we were already established as far as the minor leagues and then they would add a team every year until they filled out a, a minor league, I guess, uh, single A, double A, triple A rosters you know and I, I there's a lot of i wish i could do overs you know uh i was very fortunate to have uh, be on a new team where i didn't have five six seven years of first rounders second rounders in front of me i wasn't backlogged i i, I if i pitched well and stayed healthy i was shooting to the big leagues pretty quick or at least get an opportunity to so and i did i i i got there pretty quickly uh, but you know I, I could have made more of the opportunity for sure sends out the side. Johnson sends in the pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. 20 strikeouts for Randy Johnson. They give him a standing O here in downtown Phoenix, and why not? 20 punch outs. He 
Fearbrot got his first big league opportunity at the age of 23, making his major league debut while the Diamondbacks were in the midst of a historic run. So I got called up in 99 and 2000, didn't get the pitch either time, finally got the pitch in 01. So I was a huge baseball fan growing up, baseball cards, all that stuff. I knew guys' birthdates, what town they were from, all that from looking at the back of baseball cards. And I watched ESPN all the time, watched all the games, so Schilling. Schilling says either I'm going to get you or you get me because I'm coming right after you. He's very aggressive and that's why he's such a good pitcher. Uh, Gonzo. And offensively the story all year and continues to be Luis Gonzalez for Arizona, third in the National League in batting, in home runs, and in runs batted in. See Finley. Every veteran player I, I had been watching for a number of years already, so I was very aware of them. Uh, so it was, it was awesome. And also just kind of like, that's more when it, it hit that I was like, holy crap, I'm kind of where the big guys are now. So it was cool. You know, that was more of the first time, it was like, oh my gosh, the first time we saw Randy Johnson, you know, there's like me, Patterson and Penny, we're in big league camp, we're 19 years old and you finally see these guys, you're like, all right, this is, we're at the next level. You know, we're no longer in the minor leagues, just playing with a bunch of guys we've played with the last couple of years. We're finally getting close. Uh, so it was, it was very interesting, and it was it was amazing. That, um, they, all the guys were very helpful. They, they wanted to help you. You know, if there's anything they could do to make it easy on you, they were really trying to do that. So there wasn't a lot of hazing going on because uh, they were wanting to win, right? They wanted you to feel comfortable. Now, don't get me wrong. There was some, some, fun, some fun we had, but they were trying to help you, make you feel comfortable. Like, uh, I remember a situation where my, my dad came out one of my first times up and Schilling was talking to him, invited him into the clubhouse and just, you know, just being a good teammate. <laughs> I don't even know if my dad knew who Schilling was, to be honest. My dad's not a big sports guy. So he probably, he probably thought Schilling was probably the clubhouse attendant or something. Beerbrot was exactly where he wanted to be when he got his first real taste of the business side of baseball. He tallied two wins in four appearances for the Diamondbacks during June and July before getting traded to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. But at that point, that's the only thing I know, I've known, right? Like, that was the team that drafted me. It's finally getting a chance to pitch in the big leagues. It was, we were in first place. It was an exciting time. Every time you went to the field, it was just awesome. Was exciting atmosphere was the best atmosphere. Games were basically sold out. It was, it was what you, you, you dream of and want to experience every day. And then getting traded. And I knew I was kind of the, the guy that could possibly get traded. And I, it was funny. I was talking. I can't remember with what player, but I was like, hey, I think oh, I was Brian Anderson. I was like, I think I might be getting traded or be the guy. And he's like, no, I think this is the team we're going with. And I, I you know, five minutes later, Garagiola was sitting there going, hey, we need to see you. You know, I had gotten traded. Uh, you know, and at first you're kind of, I don't want to say hurt, but you're insulted. You know, you, as an athlete, you're, you're just like, what What do they not like about me? I think that's probably pretty understandable to, to think that. And after that, it was almost after talking to my agent, it was a very a good situation for me, you know, to be, to go from first place, a team that I'd been sent up and down, you know, debate based on my performance to go to a team where if I had a bad game or two, I wasn't going to be getting sent down so I could pitch without a lot of pressure on me and give me some time to, to work on some things. So it was a blessing in disguise, you know, but at first you don't, you don't realize it as that you're, you're mad. You want to. You want to stick it to the team. But the Diamondbacks were always good to me. They 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 were awesome. I have nothing bad to say about them. And you just realize it's a business. They made a business move, and you you move on. You know, it's, it, you learn real fast that it's a business. The chance of a lifetime for Luis Gonzalez.
Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, well, we all know what they went on to do that year. And yes, Beerbrot has a ring to show for it. Yeah, I like to say they won the West by two games and I won two games. So I figure those are the two two they won by. So I, I played my part. I, it was awesome, right? Like that's what you play for is championships and uh, getting traded. I wasn't sure if I was going to get one. And then talking to a guy later, he said I was on the, the, you know, in the meeting getting voted on, you know, getting some bonuses and stuff. Uh, you know, in the next season, Joe Graziola Jr. came out and, presented me and Jason Conti with it, with it in front of the team. So it made, you know, made it very special. Like I said, the, and the Diamondbacks were always great to me. They, they, they were a class act from day one. Uh, so it was, it was a cool situation, cool experience. Unfor- I wish I was there on the field. That would have been great, you know, even just to go through that. But uh, I'll take what I can get. This is where Beerbrot's story takes a turn. He tells it now with some levity, but what he went through completely altered the trajectory of his career and nearly ended his life. So I finished the rest of the season with the team as a starter. Uh, then in spring training, I uh, had some control issues, which later we uh, were found out to be a, a surgery that I needed. Got sent down to a, for a rehab start to Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, ended up getting shot uh, in a verbal uh, exchange with a someone. The, the, the team played, and we went out. Another t- a teammate of mine and his girlfriend went out after the game to a bar, and the guy uh, had too much to drink, so we decided to take a taxi, and they were going to take me home. We, you know, an A ball, you don't get food after the game, so I hadn't eaten anything, so I was starving. I was like, I need some food, so we went through a drive-through, and uh, the taxi went through a drive-through, and. Uh, there was a guy in the parking lot saying things I didn't like, and I said something to him and he didn't like, and he rode up on his bicycle next to the uh, passenger side, and I was behind the driver, and he he pulled the trigger a couple times and hit me twice in the chest. I started saying prayer right away, and it's a natural thing to do, I think, when you're in that situation. And so then, uh, the at that point, I just told the... The uh, guys in the cars and the drivers had taken me to the hospital, and I just got real quiet. I could see blood coming out of my arm. Uh, I could, and I was gasping for air because my, my diaphragm at the time had been hit and didn't know that. Uh, but just got real quiet. They drove me to the hospital. I got out and walked in, and then uh, that's all. Then that's really basically what I remember: just kind of walking in and uh, passing out. Uh, and then speaking with my mom afterwards, she said the cab driver just took off, didn't leave his name, nothing, because she was trying to reach out to him to thank him and never heard from him again. So I have both bolts inside me, one's inside my liver, and they said they did not want to go in after that because it just caused more damage and that the body would build a little scar tissue over it, protect it, and then one stopped a millimeter from my aorta. So they also, same thing, they were so close they didn't want to go in and risk uh, nicking the artery. So... Yeah, so the same thing. They said that would the body would protect itself, and and it did. I had to get some uh, CAT scans a couple months later, and it had moved an inch away. So body body's pretty resilient, and smart, knows knows what's what's best for it. And basically, what saved me was I was just I was basically two blocks away from the medical university there. From that moment on, the only thing that mattered to Beerbrot was getting back on the mound. There was no animosity, no self pity, no what ifs although nobody would have blamed him if he had felt any of those things. 
It was hard for me to understand how his mind never went there, and you can tell by listening to some of our conversation. Was it difficult for you to come to no. terms with like... No. How? I don't know. That's, that's probably just how I deal with it. What am I going to harp on? It's over with. Move on. I don't know. It's, I've never have. I have too many things to focus on. I was trying to get healthy now, try to get back to the big leagues. That was that was my no, my new goal once I was out of surgeries. So immediately your mindset was just like, how do I get back? That was the first question I asked the surgeon afterwards. Well, can I pitch again? And he said, yeah. You see, he said, yes, just let the body heal. For the Devil Rays, left-hander Nick Beerbrod goes back to the mound. And Joe, what a story this is. In early June last year, a shooting victim, two slugs that still remain in his body. That, after a wild, and we do mean wild spring. And here he is, less than a year after being assaulted and shot, pitching in the major leagues. So, so I made the team next spring training. So next April, I made the team. Uh, I think number four starter, but I was not, my body had not healed. I'd I ended up losing about 30 pounds muscle just from eight weeks of laying around doing nothing. Yeah. I was never the same physically as far as just pure stuff. My pure stuff was never there. Velocity. Uh, it was close. I mean, it was close enough where I still, you know, I got to pitch the big leagues, but I was never where I was supposed to be. Um, I don't know if it was, you know, I have a big incision on my stomach now from them doing exploratory surgery. I'm sure that has something to do with it. Just not having the core strength or whatever. But, you know, but it, it was down. Um, so I had to learn how to pitch a little differently and that takes a little while, especially, you know, you're, it's already hard enough to pitch when you're at your best and then you take a little bit of your best away. It's it just makes it more difficult. Beerbrot played for nearly eight more years after the incident, spending time in the bigs, minors, and even indie ball before retiring in 2011. He transitioned into a career as a firefighter, a job he's held for the last 10 years. Once you kind of get an independent ball, you can kind of see the writing on the wall, right? Like your, your career is not going the right way. So I started just looking at some things. And I grew up around firefighters. My grandfather and all his friends were firefighters. And I had a buddy that at the time was going through an academy. So just talking with him, he's like, hey, you should really look into this. They like military guys, athletes, people that work on as a team very well. All right, 14, you've got uh, a minor eye problem here with a man from 86 is also. Just make sure that the RA doesn't take off. Roger, just stand by on here. So I started looking into it and, you know, I went, did some ride-alongs with some departments and really saw a lot of, a lot of similarities between firefighting and uh, baseball. So it was, a, it was a pretty easy transition for me. Um, and I, I'm pretty happy with, with the transition. I don't, I don't think there's a better fit for me anywhere else. It's safe to say the former first-round draft pick's career didn't pan out the way he had hoped. But there's something to be said for the way Nick Beerbrot handled it all. Although he was a victim of a tragic and unfair circumstance of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, he refused to allow it to make him a victim in life. Beerbrot persevered and pursued what he loved, and after giving everything he had to the game, is now serving others in the next chapter of his career. His story is a bit of a forgotten one. But let it serve as a reminder that oftentimes life doesn't go according to plan. We've all heard the quote, It's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. And as corny as it might be, that's the story of the very first Arizona Diamondback. <laughs>